Welcome along to another edition of the St Albans Podcast with me, Danny Smith. And featuring on uh, this edition of the podcast, we have our very own uh, literary correspondent, Claire Hobber. Hello, Claire. Hi, how are you, Danny? Oh, no one cares. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, we, uh, you come on each each month and uh, you, you suggest some books that we can read, but mm. you, you always sort of base it around a theme. You, you, you choose, the, the, they're not just random three book choices this month, they're not new releases this month they, they are carefully curated and uh, tell us about this month's inspiration behind your book choices so there's a big trend at the moment for retelling ancient myths because i guess the reason that these ancient myths are still around is that they speak to each age differently and uh, the way that the 21st century is seeing the ancient greek and roman myths is often by a feminist retelling so these are often stories in which uh, women have to contend with circumstances that are against them. They live in a world where um, males are in charge and they have no rights. And uh, authors nowadays are looking to see, well, how, how would a woman have dealt with this? How might a woman have um, rebelled against it? And so, so they're retelling the myths very much from a woman's point of view. That's very interesting because... I am reading a book at the moment that would fall very much into that category. What are you uh, reading? I'm reading a book called Phoebe by Paula Gooder, I think is the name of the person. Uh, I've started that with more confidence than I've ended that sentence. But yeah, um, uh, and it, Phoebe was a, uh, a character that was mentioned briefly in the New Testament um, as somebody that Paul dealt with. And Paul, without getting too religious for the listener, but Paul was sometimes sort of kind of considered to be something of a misogynist and and there's some of what he said which has been um taken as saying that women didn't have a place in leadership in the church and and there are lots of scholars now who dispute that and say that that that's not what he was referring to but 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 certainly he's had a reputation for that so i thought it was very interesting that somebody has picked up one of the female characters that that paul interacted with and mentioned who clearly was part of the early church so therefore refuting his his sort of maybe his desire to not have women involved uh, and and it's kind of giving her a backstory and it's giving her it's fleshing out from what we do know into a more of a story and uh, it's it's quite a good read I'm quite interested in it yeah we, they say don't they that we know more about the women who were around Jesus uh, Jesus's female followers than we do about several of the sort of male disciples yeah so yeah there were definitely women around but perhaps they've been written out a bit by the people who came after Jesus and the gospelers. Yes, yes, I think that's possibly what what happened, but uh but there certainly were in some of the uh, books like the Acts of the Apostles and some of the other New Testament um post-gospel writings there were other women that that featured. Mm. Uh so yes, but somehow over history that their their parts have been played down somewhat. Yeah, their uh, names are there, but the, you have to look hard to find the stories. Yeah. Um yeah, Phoebe by Paula Gooder. I just looked it up because I thought I'd better name check it properly. But that's the book I'm reading at the moment. Um, and yeah, anyway, uh, tell us about... Well, uh, I'm going to read that Phoebe book. The, the first one on my list is No Season by the Summer by Matilda Leisha. And that just came out this year. And I had the privilege to hear Matilda Leisha giving a talk. And when I read this, it was different from a lot of the myth retellings that I've read because it's... Um, set in the modern day so she's looking at the myth of persephone which a lot of you will know persephone was the daughter of the harvest goddess demeter and she was stolen away by the god of the underworld hades who rather 
um, Nastily was also her uncle. And um, she was forced to marry him. Uh, but she there was a get-out clause, but she had to live half the year with him under the ground in the underworld and was allowed back up to see her mother for half the year. So when she's on the face of the earth, we get the summer, and when she's beneath the earth, we get the winter. So it's kind of a, a sort of creation myth for, for the seasons. So Matilda Alicia thought, well, we're still getting the seasons. The myth doesn't ever say this came to an end. So somewhere must be Phoebe, uh, must be Persephone and her mum, and presumably this is still going on. So she looked at, at what this might look like nowadays, and she does it all in the context of a piece of forest that's being cut down for a road, sort of comparable to the forest that were being cut down for the HS2 development, and protesters, and in fact, Persephone and Demeter's cottage lies right in the route of the of the new road. So she's put it in the UK as well, near Oxford, and uh, she looks to see, I think the really interesting thing is she, she takes that story and she goes, so Persephone has to spend half the year with her husband and half the year with her mother. What does Persephone want? So I think that's a really interesting point of view to start the story from. Yeah. OK. Um, and, and what was it that drew you to this book? I mean, was, uh, did you say it was that you'd, you'd seen the author speak or, or were you aware of it beforehand? or do you? I was aware of it because um, I'm very interested in this genre, but I went to the Prima Donna Festival in Stowmarket earlier this year where there were lots of women writers and women publishers all talking and sharing and so forth. And Matilda Leisha was there and I was very impressed with her. She's got a really interesting background. Somebody said, oh, you imagine Persephone being in these tight spaces under the ground and with the protesters climbing trees and so forth. Um, how did you feel Did you, you know, about those? And she says, well, before I was a writer, I was a high wire act in the circus <laughs> wow <laughs> she's so she's uh, an interesting character yeah oh very much so um so that's uh, no season but the summer by matilda leisha matilda leisha the the books that uh, that are being recommended by by our very own literary correspondent claire hobbert will be included in the episode notes of this uh, episode right now and also on our website at stalbanspodcast.com but uh, tell us about the next book uh, again not not strictly in the center of the genre the wolf den by elodie harper is about slavery in pompeii so it's not a myth as such it's much more to do with the history and the culture of pompeii so there's a lot of evidence that there were um, brothels in Pompeii. It was a, a port town with a lot of trade going on and people coming in by sea and coming out to the coast from uh, the inside of the country. And there were a lot of inns. And uh, it's very hard to draw a line between which were actually sort of pubs or inns and which were brothels. Um, but there was certainly, judging by the graffiti, quite a lot of prostitution going on. And Elodie Harper. Uh, imagines this from the point of view of Amara who has been uh, bought by a brothel until that happened she was um, just an ordinary girl in an ordinary family but when the family got into debt of course we're talking about an age when there's no welfare state I think sometimes when you read about ancient culture it really the welfare state is one of the things that it really gets you to appreciate because it was not uncommon for somebody who was in debt to either sell themselves or if they had children or a spouse to sell their children or spouse wow. into slavery to clear the debt because 
there was no choice. There was, at least as a slave, hopefully they would be fed, whereas if you had no money whatsoever, you would starve to death. So Amara was sold into a brothel, having come from a respectable background. And that's also really strong, because I think there is a real issue in our society today with modern slavery. We we hear all the time about the tip of the iceberg, people in having to work in nail salons and, and brothels, having been tricked into coming here from other countries, often East European countries. So, And I think the fact that Amara is a relatable person who came from an ordinary background makes us realise that this could happen to anybody. And, and yeah, modern slavery is something that a lot of people just don't really believe exists. You know, they sort of think slavery was something mm. that, that we got rid of hundreds of years ago. And, and they don't quite appreciate perhaps the fact that this is actually something that is quite rife. And, and as you said, it's something very much within the underbelly of our society right now. Mm. Uh, and there's probably places right here that, that, that perhaps are involved with modern slavery um, and we, we, we don't see what's right in front of us on, on occasions. I guess people find it hard to understand how there could be modern slaves working in society and they don't run away and run to the police, but actually they're, they're held in fear. They're told that, that by their captors that they're illegal immigrants, um, that the police won't be on their side, which actually may be true. Um, and it may well be yeah. that places where they are from they wouldn't trust the police in the first place. So yeah. that would also um, impinge upon their their escape. Mm-hmm. But uh, it it's a real shame that, that it seems to be a lot of um, uh, crime fiction on TV that, that is starting to feature this more, mm. more heavily, uh, that, that we don't seem to hear as much about it in the news. Yeah. You yeah. Know, I'm, I'm thinking of like Happy Valley that featured that as part of its storyline at one point and other, other uh, crime dramas as well that have... have featured that in some way i think the line did as well didn't it the um line of duty line of duty yes that was it yes. yeah that, that had modern slavery in it didn't yeah. it yeah yeah okay um but that's uh, no season but the su- no it's not that was the that was the previous <laughs> one that's the wolf den by elodie harper uh right let, let's move on to our final book and um yes uh i th- depending on what this book's about i might have seen a play about this as well um possibly anyway uh, tell us about the next book yeah, so Electra is one of the great sort of classic uh, Greek tragedies, and it's also the title of this book by Jennifer Saint from last year. So it's uh, really delving into one of the greatest Greek myths of all times. So it does it from the point of view of three of the characters. Probably these names will be familiar. So Electra is the title name, um, and she has a mother called Clytemnestra. And uh, the other character is Cassandra, the princess of Troy. So uh, Electra's father, Clytemnestra's husband, Agamemnon, was going off to wage war on the Trojans who had stolen away the beautiful Helen. Um, But he couldn't get a wind to take the fleet of ships from Greece to Troy. So he summoned Electra's sister, Iphigenia, and said, uh, come come on over, and I've arranged a wonderful marriage for you too, the great hero, Achilles. And she got there dressed as a bride, but what Agamemnon hadn't told her or her mother, Clytemnestra, was that his intention was to sacrifice her, and the sacrifice of Iphigenia was what bought them the wind to go to Troy. So Clytemnestra never forgave him, and it took 
10 years for that them to win that war in Troy and to come back. All that time, Clytemnestra was waiting. When he got back with his new unwilling mistress, Cassandra, a princess of Troy, uh, she had both of them put to death. Spoiler alert, but I think maybe you knew that already. <laughs> um, and surviving was Electra, the daughter of Agamemnon, who for some reason that I'm not quite sure about, was still loyal to Agamemnon and pursued justice on her mother, Clytemnestra, and got her brother, Orestes, to murder Clytemnestra. So it's a family, it was already a family with a curse on it, and it goes on being bathed in blood, the house of Atreus already. I think they uh, somebody served up children to the gods or something and uh, the gods never really let it lie so they already were in a lot of trouble and this just goes on but it's really good that it's the three different viewpoints and cassandra is particularly poignant because she does nothing wrong except refuse to sleep with the god apollo but she's thereafter ever more cursed that she's got the gift of prophecy but nobody will believe a word she says so when the trojans have got that wooden horse just outside the gate she's saying don't let it in it's a trick and they're going just Cassandra again and they let the horse in and Troy is taken yeah uh, so Jennifer Saint I gather this is her second uh, this was a second novel uh, but she writes novels that, that are re- retelling of Greek mythology told from the voices of the women involved with these stories yeah yeah uh, have you have you read any of her other books? Yeah, there's Ariadne is the first one that she wrote and I, I would say that Electra is actually a, a, a better piece of work I think she's matured as a writer a bit more with Electra. So Ariadne was the girlfriend of Theseus, if you remember the story Theseus and the Minotaur. And Theseus had to go into a labyrinth, kill a Minotaur. But then, crucially, he had to find his way out again. Otherwise, he'd have been just as dead as if the Minotaur had killed him. And Ariadne came up with a solution. And the solution was a piece of string which she tied to a doorpost and he took in with him and was then able to follow back out again. But Ariadne was also the daughter of the king um, who had put Theseus in the labyrinth in the first place. So she'd betrayed her father and had to run away with him. And he wasn't, it turned out, Theseus wasn't the best boyfriend, not possibly a good decision on her part. (laughs) And I gather that Jennifer Saint's new novel is Atalanta. Yeah, that sounds interesting. I haven't read that one yet. Yeah, it says here, reimagining of the myth of Atalantia, a- Atalanta, uh, a fierce huntress raised by bears and the only woman in the world's most famous band of heroes, the Argonauts. Yeah, so, indeed. Um, there you go. Uh, so that that was your third book choice uh, this month. Um, was it? Were there other books that, that you would have put in, but but you were limited because of you know the format that we've done? Because it does seem to me that there there's a lot of like rich pickings of this uh, books that would fit into this category. That, there are so many of them around, and actually I think we've covered this before, maybe a couple of years ago. Uh, and some of the very best, I would say, the very best in the genre is Madeline Miller who did the Song of Achilles and Circe. Yes. And there's a very interesting one about War with Troy by uh, Pat Barker, who's a great novelist. There's another author, Natalie Haynes, who does she's a very good stand-up comedian, who is also covering this area with... Um, in fact, there are two books out about Medusa at the moment because she was very much a wronged woman. So before she was a monster, she was a lovely girl who was taken advantage of by Neptune and... She was then punished for being raped, um, which by our logic and justice uh, is the wrong way around. It should have been Neptune who got punished. 
but um, she was turned into this monster with snaky hair and two so Natalie Haynes has written about it in Stone Blind, and Jessie Burton has written about her as well in Medusa. Okay, yeah. so Jessie Burton wrote The Miniaturist. Yeah, she? so she's a really trendy, uh, very good novelist, okay. uh, Jessie Burton. So I'm reading that one at the moment, Medusa by Jessie Burton. Okay, thank you uh, for those book choices. Uh, again, they are all uh, listed right now in our show notes and also on our website at stalbanspodcast.com. Uh, Claire, you've got a new um, creative writing course coming up, haven't you? Yeah, um, there are so many talented people in St Albans and people thinking about writing down their stories or perhaps they've got a fiction story going around in their head and uh, it's when you start to write that you realise that there are various questions you've got to answer whose point of view, how do I show things happening rather than just tell the story in a very mechanical way so uh, together with Books on the Hill I'm running a course starting on the 31st of October to um, go through those really technical skills to do with story writing and writing your own Uh, life story which should help people to bring their stories to life and really make their reading uh, writing the kind of stuff that people can't put down okay Uh, if you are interested in that then again we'll put the information uh, it's in the show notes right now and on our website at stalbanspodcast.com and we'll include the link to where you can go and buy tickets to to, to, to sort of uh, join that course but that's uh, Books on the Hill uh, on Tuesdays starting uh, on the 31st of October Uh, Claire thank you very much for joining us and uh, we look forward to you coming back again Thank you. Thank you, Danny. And that's about it for another edition of the St Albans Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you want to find out more about what we do, check out our website, stalbanspodcast.com. And also we are on social media. We are on uh, Facebook and whatever Twitter is called this week and Instagram, <laughs> where we are at St Albans Podcast. Thank you.